Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. New research suggests that when American doctors give their patients narcotic painkillers, 99% of them hand out prescriptions that exceed the federally recommended three-day dosage limit. And some doctors exceed that limit by a lot. Nearly one quarter gave out month-long dosages, despite the fact that research has shown that a month's use of prescription narcotic painkillers can cause brain changes, the National Safety Council found in a recent survey. So late last year, Cigna began a program to cut its customers' opioid use It was recognized in STAT, a a recent article that was titled The Game Changers, 12 Bold Attempts to Slow the Opioid Epidemic. And here to talk about that program is Dr. Doug Nemesek, who is the Chief Medical Officer of Cigna's Behavioral Health Business. So, Doctor, I want to welcome you. Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. So, Doctor, tell us a little bit about the program and how you happened to get started. Sure. Cigna has recognized over the last couple years that the opioid epidemic, as it continued to grow, was impacting absolutely every one of our clients, every one of our customers, and all of the communities where uh, we live and work. And so Cigna made made the determination that we wanted to step forward and take a leadership role in the conversation about addressing the opioid epidemic and ultimately saving lives. This is all about ultimately saving saving people's lives because too many people are succumbing to opioids today. So a year ago, our CEO, David Cordani, uh, made a public commitment that Cigna was going to address the opioid epidemic and we were going to decrease opioid prescriptions across our commercial book of business by 25% over the next three years, so by 2019. Uh, as he did that, we, we've then pulled together an enterprise-wide work team to really dive in and figure out how we were going to do this and meet this commitment. So we pulled together people from our pharmacy team, uh, myself and others from our behavioral health business, our medical uh, business, dental, disability, our policy and government affairs team, our, our, our network teams, everybody across Cigna coming together to figure out what do we need to do to address, address the epidemic. And from there, we created multiple work teams focusing on, on activities and actions across the enterprise, across Cigna, to truly address the epidemic. And one of the things I'll point out is it 
our goal is not just to decrease opioid prescriptions. Uh, we think that's an important piece, and, we, and that's our commitment. But ultimately, we also need to make sure that we continue to do everything we can to improve the care that, that our customers are getting who today suffer from chronic pain, who are accessing the opioids, and, and taking care of our customers who have an opioid use disorder or other substance use disorder that's driving them to their use as well. So how many work teams do you have? Well, for this, for this program, uh, what we are really doing is getting out to our collaborative accountable care organizations. Cigna has ongoing relationships, and we're actively working with all of these groups today, uh, in addition to working on the opioid epidemic, in making sure we, we treat and address all of the customers that those doctors are taking care of with, with other chronic illnesses, uh, et cetera. So we've built on the relationships that we had with those groups uh, and started working with them group by group uh, and, and asking them to partner with us to uh, sign a pledge to uh, address and focus on uh, decreasing opioid prescribing, only prescribing opioids when they are appropriate, uh, and, and helping identify there are patients that have chronic pain and substance use disorders, so together we can get them uh, appropriate evidence-based uh, care. So there's a couple of components I heard there. So you've got the pledge for them to sign, and the pledge is very similar to the pledge that the Surgeon General yeah. put together here last year. So it's in concert with that. You get them to sign that, and then you've got a component of this that's education as well. That's correct. So uh, we're working with the physicians from an education perspective uh, in a couple of ways. Uh, one is to help them understand uh, the importance of, of appropriate opioid prescribing, making sure they're aware of and understand the recommendations that came out of the CDC uh, last year. Uh, and those guidelines uh, are, are very important and, and really set the standard for appropriate uh, use of opioids in, in chronic pain, especially by primary care physicians. So we're sharing that information with them, asking them to partner with us. We are uh, creating feedback so we can uh, give the, uh, these physician groups a profile of the, of the prescribing that's being done by those physicians, how that prescribing aligns to the CDC guidelines, as well as comparing those physicians to their peers uh, in their community and our other collaboratives. Lastly, the other thing we've done is work with those who have taken steps to address the opioid epidemic. Some have already done some internal education. Some are partnering with other medical groups or hospitals in their community, maybe with an emergency room and have unique uh, programs that they've already put in place to help improve opioid prescribing. And so we're collecting those stories and outcomes, putting them together in a playbook and, and sharing that playbook of evidence-based practices with other physician groups across the country so that they can also learn from each other and, and, and identify opportunities or practices that they may be able to implement in their practice, in their hospital, in their community as well. So how would someone get access to your playbook? We are, we're, we're sharing it directly with, with our collaborative groups, and, and we've actually posted it on the web, our website that physicians have access to with all of the uh, activities that we currently have online back and forth with these groups, so they have access to the playbook and ability to, to look at it. 
it's a network whereby if a physician wanted to get into that, they would, how would they get in touch with you to do that? If they currently uh, are not part of your system, I guess, is, is what I'm asking. Right. So uh, in the community, if, uh, if medical groups are interested in partnering with Cigna, we have local network representatives in, in, in every market who uh, are available. Uh, a, a physician can, can look for those network reps and look for information on the Cigna.com website to, to, uh, to make contact with us and with our network representatives who will be happy to meet with them and talk about uh, uh, being part of our network and, and partnering with us to... Uh, combat the opioid epidemic. Outstanding. So do you also work with the medical schools? We've had some conversations with medical schools. Medical schools are taking efforts as well to uh, address the opioid epidemic. We're not doing anything specific with any of those medical schools today, but absolutely uh, by leading conversations and, uh, and um, addressing and partnering with others on identifying how do we spread education, how do we uh, in, get everybody engaged to uh, address the opioid epidemic where we, we fully support uh, medical schools increasing their education and, and, and work around opioids. One of the things about your program, doctor, that really fascinates me is that you incorporate and have developed that database of opioid quality improvement initiatives. And I guess that's what you're referring to as your playbook. So can we get into a little bit of detail uh, in terms of what specifically it, that consists of, what's in there, and maybe describe a few of those items? Sure. So um, as, as I said, we've created a playbook uh, with quality improvement initiatives from, from all of the groups that we're, we're partnering with. One example is a group that is, is partnering with their emergency room and creating a, a feedback so that uh, the emergency room will not prescribe opioids to their patients without uh, having, having information of the specific treatment plan for that patient and approval of the primary care physician. So we know one of the issues in the opioid epidemic can be that patients who are seeking opioids will go to multiple emergency rooms or go to multiple physicians to try to obtain those uh, and so the, this physician group is working with their community partners uh, to assure that, that that doesn't occur and that those emergency room physicians will communicate and partner with the primary care physicians to make sure that any opioids they prescribe are appropriate and consistent with the treatment plan of the, of the primary care physician. Okay. An, an, another group is, is doing education uh, and, and sharing education with their physicians around the CDC guidelines, spreading that information throughout their large primary care organization, all the physicians and nurse practitioners and others uh, within the clinic to make sure that all of their physicians are aware, understand the guidelines, uh, and, and have been fully educated on the importance of opioid uh, prescribing and the, and the appropriateness of, of opioid prescribing. So those are just a couple examples of that, and we're really excited because by sharing all of these examples uh, between, between medical groups across the country, uh, they can learn from each other as well and identify opportunities that, that they may not have thought of uh, and see how it's worked in another community already. Outstanding. So the program has been up and rolling since last year, late last year. How's it going? We're proud to say that uh, after the first year, we uh, have 
have made it about halfway towards our commitment of a 25% decrease in opioids by 2019. We've seen a, a, approximately a 12% decrease so far after one year. Uh, so we know that's a great start. Uh, we still have a lot of work left to do on the second half, on the, on the rest of that, to get us to that uh, 25% reduction. But we're confident uh, that with all of our activities and continue to expand our work, that, that we'll be able to get there over the next couple of years. So it's fascinating that now you're beginning to use analytics across your claims data to uncover opioid use patterns and suggest misuse and reaching back out to the healthcare providers when you've identified that. Tell us a little bit about that part, portion of the program. Sure. Cigna has for a long time, for about 10 years, had a program that has monitored opioid prescriptions uh, and looked for evidence of fraud and abuse. So we were looking for specific markers of somebody going to multiple pharmacies and getting prescriptions filled or going to multiple physicians to get those prescriptions filled. Uh, and, and, and so we've had a program for about 10 years that I've been identifying those customers and communicating back to their physicians to let them know, uh, did you know your, your, your patient may be going to other physicians to get these medications as well or getting their prescriptions filled in multiple pharmacies and offering supports to help them limit the number of physicians or pharmacies the patient has access to and or help them get them referred over to appropriate substance use disorder treatment programs, et cetera. We now, over the last year, have worked to expand that program to not only look for people who are uh, maybe misusing or, or abusing their prescriptions in that way, but also looking at those that are at high risk to have complications of their opioid prescriptions, at high risk to overdose on them. So we've started looking also not just at getting multiple doctors to prescribe them, but just those that are getting high doses of, of prescriptions, even from one physician. Those, those patients and customers that have a, a behavioral health diagnosis, uh, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, that puts them at potentially increased risk of overdosing or having uh, complications and misusing their, their opioids while they're on a prescription for opioids. So looking at all of these multiple factors to identify uh, our customers who are also at risk of, of overdose and having problems and starting to do outreach and, and engagement with them directly to then help them understand the potential risks that they have with because of their opioid use uh, or the combination of the medications. Some of those are on an opioid and a, a benzodiazepine, a sleeping pill or an anti-anxiety pill uh, that we know increases the risk of, of potential complications and overdose. Um, we can educate the customer directly, engage them in some case management, work with their doctor and with them to help make sure that they're getting the best possible care they can for uh, whatever caused them to get uh, prescribed opioids in the first place, as well as all the other health conditions that they, they may have. So this is a good example where in the past, um, different organizations kind of worked in silos and they mind their own business and go about their business and that's that and, and re really don't kind of cross over unless a business pattern kind of brings them across. But in this particular case, 
the doctor is just so used to doing what they're doing. And now you've got the new CDC guidelines and you've got kind of almost a little bit of big brother looking over their shoulder when it comes to prescribing from everything to their selection, dosage and duration. Um, and when they're out of bounds on that, how, how are they kind of taking to that? Can you, can you describe that, that process? That had to be a difficult process to gain acceptance there. I guess that's really where, where I'm headed with this. Yes, and we've been uh, very impressed with the fact that, um, as a group, the physicians have been very supportive of our efforts. Uh, the physicians uh, almost unanimously agree that the opioid epidemic is a problem. Uh, they understand uh, that their role as physicians in prescribing has been one of the contributors to the epidemic, uh, and they want to be the best physicians they can be to take care of their patients, and so they want to improve and do what they can. Uh, so as we've rolled out our pledge, we really have not gotten any pushback from physician groups who don't want to support us and support our efforts and sign the pledge. We continue to get more physician groups every day and every week signing the pledge and agreeing to work with us. Physicians have, even as we've gone into communities and had uh, focus groups and advisory groups with, with physicians across the country to specifically talk to them about the opioid epidemic, the actions and activities we're doing at Cigna, and to get their feedback. And they are all very supportive and, and in general, express understanding of the need for some of the oversight and support of appropriate prescribing the use of prior authorization on some of the opioid medications, uh, the quantity limiting and dose limiting that, that's being done by health insurers as well as uh, by state governments and some of the mandates that, that they are passing now to try to address uh, the epidemic as well. So physicians in general are understanding of this uh, and, and, and understand that they want to get opioid prescribing as an industry back under control so that they can go back to where, as you mentioned, they like to be, which is having that relationship with their patient and being the physician and treating uh, their patient the best that they can. Well, that's really good to hear. So as important as your work to cut opioid prescribing is your work to eliminate the stigma. So let's speak about what uh, Cigna is doing to help eliminate that stigma that's out there? One of the biggest issues, um, or one of the other biggest issues with the opioid epidemic is the stigma that's uh, out there today around substance use disorders. It's been there uh, for, for many, many years, uh, and, and there still are too many people who believe that a substance use disorder, an opioid use disorder, is a... Uh, uh, just a, a character flaw or a problem with, with the individual. Um, we understand it's a chronic illness, it's a chronic disease, and we need to start treating substance use and opioid use disorders as chronic diseases, the same as we treat diabetes, heart disease, high cholesterol, uh, high blood pressure, and the like. Uh, we, we know that if we're able to change that dialogue and tr truly treat substance use disorders as a chronic illness, individuals and their families will be more likely to reach out and seek help when they have a problem. We know that uh, we will be able to create uh, the, the best treatment models so that they're able to be engaged in treatment and in a long-term treatment program and process um, because it's a, we know it's and treat it as a chronic 
illness, not expecting it to be uh, a short term. I can go into treatment for 30 days and come out and the problem's gone and will never be there again. Uh, so being able to eliminate the stigma is, is a big uh a big focus for Cigna and, and having conversations uh, uh, in the community with others, finding other partners in communities and across the country to, to, uh, to help lead these dialogues and conversations uh, will go a long way to eventually, hopefully, eliminating the stigma that's associated with this and allowing people to get the care that they need. It's increasingly become recognized in the recovery community and with various uh, professionals that are involved in treatment of substance use disorder that the 30 and 45 days doesn't cut it. In fact, uh, some have said that it takes up to two years for the pink cloud associated with heroin addiction to go away. And the pink cloud is that, um, uh, in essence, the uh, effects of the substance on the brain, and it just takes that long to uh, to recover from that. And so the question is, um, in terms of the healthcare industry in general, and maybe Cigna in particular, what are the plans to kind of expand coverage so that it does a better job of addressing the timeline and continuum of care that's required to fully address that? Yeah, Cigna's doing a lot of work now uh, with a focus on uh, expanding access and availability of evidence-based treatment and, 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 and appropriate long-term chronic disease-focused care for opioid use and substance use disorders. Uh, a couple of specifics. We are starting to use uh, information that we have to identify who are the best uh, providers uh, across the country from having a holistic long-term comprehensive treatment program that is not only focused on a 30-day or 45-day residential program, but offers long-term outpatient follow-up and other supports as well. We're looking for those programs that offer medication-assisted treatment, buprenorphine and other medications uh, that, that we know are valuable uh, tools in truly treating opioid use disorder. And using all of this information to create what we call our designated substance use disorder treatment network. And we now have over 120 points of access across the country and continue to work to expand that so that we can help our customers and families truly know where are the best programs that for our loved ones and where we can go get truly comprehensive and holistic uh, evidence-based substance use disorder care. We're also involved in, in working with what are now I would describe as innovative treatment programs. Um, so as people are starting to recognize that it's not just about the 30 and 45 day uh, residential programs, uh, there, are, there are programs uh, arising around the country that offered new, novel, innovative approaches of treatment, support, peer-led supports, case management, uh, and community supports, uh, and really wrapping all of that along with medications and therapy around the customer. And we're creating, uh, with those new models, new reimbursement models, to start to look at how do we reimburse for that on, a, on what we would describe as a value-based system versus just a volume-based that pays you for one day of, of treatment. Um, so starting to measure the outcomes of that treatment, 
uh, and create different reimbursement models that uh, will be based on those innovative treatment programs, truly demonstrating that they're able to take care of a customer holistically and comprehensively over a longer period of time, and that the outcomes at the end of improvement and supports uh, and, and wellness uh, are there. So we're, we're doing a lot of work uh, there as well to, uh, to address substance use disorders and, and ultimately to be able to help our customers and families really know where can they go to get the, the best care for their loved one when they need it. Dr. Nemesek, do you have any examples that you might be able to cite of the innovative treatment? Sure. Well, there, there, are, there are a couple programs um, that are really, as I said, looking at comprehensive medication-assisted treatment programs. So they're able to uh, prescribe buprenorphine, but also have an a, a individual therapist who works with that individual two, three, four, six, eight times a month, uh, whatever's needed. They have uh, family supports that work with the family. They will go into the house uh, and into the home to work with the individual and take, uh, take the, the therapy and the treatment into the home to help do assessments, uh, help mid- minimize uh, any issues if, if the individual is getting anxious or struggling with their uh, treatment plan, those sorts of things. And, and by doing that in an innovative way rather than what we know today as a formal structured even three or five day a week outpatient treatment program, uh, they're, they're starting to be able to, uh, to demonstrate that they're able to drive outcomes, keep people engaged in treatment for longer periods of time, and ultimately uh, get people healthy. Wow. That's, that's powerful. Really, uh, that's a complete change from the traditional model. So uh, if people want to learn more about your, the database that you've developed for these best practices and best points uh, for treatment for substance use disorder, how would they go about that? Um, I, w- I would recommend that people go to, uh, to Cigna.com, our website, and, and they can, can find links and resources. Providers uh, also have, through uh, the Cigna website and network, the ability to, to interact and ask questions uh, and, and ask for information online from our network teams, as I mentioned earlier. And so that's the best way to get in touch with us uh, to, uh, to look for additional information. Okay. What final thoughts would you like to share with our listeners about the opioid epidemic and what you and your team have learned? I think, um, you know, one of the things that that we have have really learned in in our time over the last year is that the opioid epidemic is is very complex, very complicated. Uh, There's no silver bullet. There's no single solution to this none of us are going to be able to solve this overnight by ourselves. And so really, uh, Cigna's very interested in continuing to to dialogue as much as we can, continue to look for partners that we can work with uh, to address the opioid epidemic and to decrease the stigma associated with substance use disorders. And by working together, all of us uh, will be able to uh, ultimately uh, make a difference, decrease opioid prescriptions, save lives, uh, and improve our communities. So also thank you to, to you for the opportunity today in helping lead the conversation and, and, and sharing this information with others. We've been visiting with Dr. Doug Nemesek, Chief Medical Officer for Cigna's behavioral health business. 
Dr. Nemesek and his team have developed a program to reduce opioid use by 25% over the next three years, and they're halfway to their goal. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.